When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How good is Donovan Mitchell? Should we keep fouling up by three? Will someone get to 80 points this season? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live show coming at you on a Wednesday morning, New Year 2023. I've got Combo with me as always. Um, Convo, how's your year going so far in, uh, four days in? Oh, it's great. And for Christmas, I was in Jamaica. That was a lot of fun. Got some warm weather when it got really cold here in New York. And now I'm back in New York and it's actually kind of warm here. It's going to reach the sixties today, which is incredible for us this time Dude, of year. It's going to be warmer there than it is in LA. I'll tell you that right now it's raining and cold and really, really yucky. I want out. I want to go to Hawaii or, uh, anywhere I'll go. I'll take Jamaica. Um, anywhere warm, I would like to go. So please, somebody send me an airplane ticket and I will get on and I'll go. You know, we need to go to the Maldives and have a live show from the Maldives. That's, that's the place I want to go. Okay. You know, right, right, right on a bungalow with the water behind us and we talk basketball. Yeah. Let's, oh yeah, right. Like I, that sounds cool. Like Fiji has those two or those like, you know, you say, I mean, oh, I want to go on the underground or the underwater uh, ones, right? What was that movie where they're, they're staying in a, in an underwater apartment, uh, thing it's you know uh john favreau um you know they're all married couples and you always, they you always lose me with the movies you always lose yeah me. right that's true <laughs> gonna tell me what that is but what would be better for content come on that youtube that youtube would go out uh, would go crazy with that kind yeah of right i'll bring my uh i can bring my drone with me we'll get some good shots of it so um anyway yes i know people are probably really uh not feeling bad for me that uh, in la currently it is 59 degrees and uh, it'll rain all day today uh, you know, it's the rain that gets me. I don't like the rain, and especially when it's chilly. That's just the worst part. But nonetheless, we got to talk about some basketball because we're in the middle of a basketball season, and this is what we do on the show. Um, people might want to know why the Donovan Mitchell video was private. It was because the NBA, I guess, didn't like the length of it. And so I kind of trimmed it. And right when the show is over, I will now be releasing a new and improved version of it. So Stay tuned on the edge of your sheet. And I don't know when we're done in the half an hour, 40 minutes, whatever. I will drop the video. It is ready to go. All set to go. Lean, mean, uh, breaking down, you know, some of the different um, things about Donovan Mitchell's 71 point game. I trust that you got a chance to see this game a little bit. Uh, is that correct, Combo? Yes, I did. It was incredible. It's just amazing the efficiency he shot the basketball with in that game. And it's crazy because that morning I actually had a post about Donovan Mitchell why he's so elite in the lane. I think he's unique because not only he has elite craft, he's an elite athlete as well. Um, Yes, that is all true. You know, I did a really good video that got a lot of views two years ago or three years ago now, what, what, what is time, uh, about Donovan Mitchell and how we missed, uh, you know, coming out of college, he averaged, I don't know, 14 points a game in Louisville, something like yep. that. And then he very quickly became a 20-point elite scorer in the NBA. 
And I don't know if anybody had that on their radar coming out of college. I, I, he got drafted in the in the lottery, but it wasn't like, you know, top five. And certainly if you redid that draft now, I think I got to look at some of the other players during that year. But like he would have to go higher than he did. I think it's safe to say. But I guess we can quickly look that up. Donovan Mitchell NBA draft. The, the point, though, is um, uh, 2017 draft. Let's see here if we can quickly find the actual. Here it is. I'll go to Wikipedia. Let's try and see what that looks like. Okay, so here's the top uh, picks from that draft. Mitchell was 13th, okay? Definitely would have been picked higher. Here are the 12 in front of him. Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, Jason Tatum, Josh Jackson, De'Aaron Fox, Jonathan Isaac, Lowry Markinen, Frank Nilakina, Dennis Smith Jr., Zach Collins, Malik Monk, Luke Kennard. So I'm thinking easily a top five if you read that draft. Yeah, some good players though. But yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we got you got Tatum in there. Um Markinen, really, uh, we can talk about him in a little bit too, as far as what he's been doing sustaining. I wasn't sure if he would keep it up even into this part of the season, but he's been really doing great. But anyway, the point being um that what we saw from Mitchell, I thought, in college was he did have um the dribbling stuff I thought he was really, really good at. He could split uh, pick and rolls. He had a really tight handle. But, you know, just by sheer the sheer fact that he hadn't been on this planet long enough, uh, he just wasn't polished enough in the lane to finish. And all it took was a, a, a summer or two with really good training because, you know, college training ain't always the best. Um, uh, once he got a couple of summers in with a real, you know, good NBA trainer – Poof, all those floaters and all those finishes in the rim are going in, and he's now he's become that elite scorer. And it was all on display um, last two nights ago um, against the Bulls. So I love the fact that he, you know, his his three point shooting, by the way, his jump shot's beautiful. He'd never really been able to get to where he is now, elite over 40%. And it's weird because he's still taking a ton of them. But do you have any feelings for why this year and this team he is suddenly, you know, shooting at a much higher efficiency at, from behind the, the line? More spacing, so there's even more of a threat for him to go to the rim, which means the defense have to respect the drive even more so, which leaves him more open on those shots where he elevates so well and nobody could contest. I think those are my thoughts. You know what you're, you know what you're saying, though, don't you? What? You're hating on somebody big time all of a sudden. Oh, Rudy? <laughs> I'll I hate mean, on this, like I don't know, but man, there's a couple different possibilities here, right? Now they they and they got Jaron Allen. They got a Rudy-ish kind of guy uh, on the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, but he his hands are so much better. He re, he commands a lot more respect, and uh, he had a couple of nice moves himself. Uh, Jared Allen did uh, in that game too. So he's coming along. Um, and so uh, that you're right. There is something about the fact that the team, because you couldn't say that this Cavalier team is better than the than the Jazz, right? The Jazz were at the top of the Western Conference for all those years with a lot of good players. More fun to watch, I'll tell you that. Uh, the Cavaliers are more fun to watch. Yes, yes. Why? Just that open style of play. I guess I'm hating on Rudy again, huh? Just it's like an open floor. And Darius Garland is more fun than any player oh, had. Yeah. Darius Garland is more fun of a player than anybody on the Jazz was, maybe outside of Donovan. Oh, you know? yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I thought we, I, well, for a second there, I was thought you said Evan Mobley, and we I don't want to get it. So we're not talking about Evan Mobley today. Um, oh, I saw I saw basically uh, what you did there. You, you you showed an Evan Mobley corner jump shot that looked really bad. I know you wanted to sneak that into the video. I didn't. He didn't play that game last night, right? Oh, but I wait. Saw, I, did. I, I saw a video of yours. Oh, was it? Wait, was it the Nets video? Am I yeah, the it Nets, Nets video? 
Uh, it might have been the next video, and yeah, I, and I and I think I thought of that when I put it in there. Not like it was already, you know. But this, if you want some insight into how I make those videos, imagine lighting this place on fire, and then the only way I can put it out is if I finish the video <laughs> as quickly as I can. Like that's kind of like how I do a lot of those. So I I did it did enter my mind that I'm like, oh okay, here's a good example. Ben Evan Mobley three. It was something like yeah, there was a I did a three or four in a row of like bad shooters or that you'd leave open, I think, right in the corners. Is that what it was? Something like that. Yeah. Anyway. Sure, uh, you didn't do it on purpose. I'm sure. I did not. I mean, listen, yeah. you know, I, I did I wasn't gonna take a lot of time to find what I needed to find. So he popped up there. There it was. But nonetheless, okay. unless the point is you're right, there is something fun that by the way, I can't wait for Ricky Rubio to come back. Um, yes. I yes. think he Remember when he was playing with these guys when they had the big three, uh, or the, sorry, the tall three, I guess we'll call them, like they were really playing well again. So um, I think that he does a lot of uh, really fun stuff for them that will make that even more fun. Uh, and anyway, the point of being is that, yes, there's something a little bit you know more rhythmic and maybe less forceful or forcing of those three-point shots by Mitchell. And even though he hasn't had a lower the, the uh, quantity of them, I mean, when he some of those that he makes, they – drop like straight down it's not even like a swish you know what i mean it's like grace is the back rim but you know and the, and the net just kind of poops up it's really it's just a beautiful make when he does those and he does those a lot um probably adds a lot more arc than a, than a lot of other players do uh which is leads to variability but man when he's stroking it like that plus you have the beautiful stop on a dime stuff all his his things that we got from like remember when oladipo was doing this for a while uh before he got hurt which makes me worried that much stress on your hamstrings and that front foot, the front leg, when you slam on the brakes like he does, makes me worried. Um, but it, it, it's fluid. It's beautiful. These uh, NBA defenders who have to turn and run to try and stay in front, and then all of a sudden he's pulling from you know either 20 feet or behind the line. Beautiful stuff. Yeah. When I see a player drop those kind of numbers, and it hardly happens, so – uh, I don't know what else I saw. It wasn't that many, maybe seven or eight times in NBA history. I think about the kind of conditioning they have to be in to drop that amount of points. Like if anybody played basketball and they dropped 30, I mean, when I dropped 30, I used to be really tired after the game because you usually have a high offensive load. And to him to drop 71 and the way he plays, he plays so low, right? He plays so low. So to play that low for that amount of time and to drop that amount of points with that kind of load, it just shows the tremendous conditioning that he's in. Uh, okay, yeah. I mean, he's he's kind of stout, uh, to use a day yeah. before phrase from back in the day. He's not, like, completely lean and mean. But, um, yeah, I, I feel like you – know, and by the way, he didn't even really score that much in the first quarter. So mm-hmm. he did 70 – and it wasn't just 71 points. He assisted on another 28 points, I think it was. I think it was 99 total points that he he uh, generated from the, for them. Um, now – Obviously, and this is what I say in the video, you'll see this, um, it takes two to tango. So you're not going to, you know, there's a defense out there. And it didn't surprise me when I'm going through the defense and the rotations and the way they played this, uh, that their ranking is as low as it is the 21st. And so they obviously were picking on some of the big men. Drummond was out there and certainly Vucevic, they're, they're going to pick on him. And by the way, I mean, I don't, the Bulls are not going to make the playoffs, I don't think. But, uh, you know, if they had and if they do – you know they're gonna they're gonna be able to play Bucevic off the floor. I, I don't don't think there's any way you could put him in a pick and roll uh, and and hope to have him do well defensively against a good playoff team. And that's what they were kind of doing a little bit actually. That before I get to a friend of my skates here, um, there was evidence they were looking to try and do that. But they also were picking on Zach Levine, um, who simply doesn't. 
He doesn't really um, get into a stance well enough. He doesn't really exert a lot of energy a lot of the time, certainly in that game. I know I've seen it recently in this season a little bit more, but there's just too many times where he's kind of walking and he's upright and he's late in reacting to what's going on. And um, it's a little frustrating because he could be such a he could be a terrific defender and also continue to be as good as he is on offense. So that's a problem I think the Bulls are needing to shore up and figure out how they want to improve. Olympic Zach, that's when he was playing defense. Zach Levine in the Olympics. And then from that, he took those habits into that bowl season, which I believe was last season. But yeah, we haven't seen it as much since. No. And as a result, you you know, you saw him, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell just just detonate. I mean, you know, yeah, crazy. And, and let's see, he had, I think, seven threes, which is interesting because Luca didn't have, he, when he had his 61, I don't, he had maybe three or four threes. It wasn't the time. He, he didn't shoot that well from three, I think. Yeah, and so and that was probably even maybe more impressive in some sense because you're going to get the threes, gives you an extra point. Um, but here's the question. Um, you know, any of those bottom 10 teams uh, in, on defense, and I'll, I'm going to give you the, that, that list right as it is right now because I doubt it's going to change too much uh, by the time the season's over. But let's look at the bottom defensive teams because if you're a betting man or if you like fantasy, if you like underdog fantasy even, you can you know use my code B-Ball and get a $100 match back on your first deposit. Um, but you can um, you can make a lot of money because there's going to be the – and we'll, 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 maybe you and I will come up with a list. There are, there's a list of certain players when they play these teams uh, are going to absolutely just light it up and the scoreboard will not be able to keep up with them. And the only issue will be is if the game is a blowout or not and then they won't play as many minutes. But – here are the bottom 20 teams in defensive rating as of today. Portland, 20th. Chicago, Indiana, Sacramento, Orlando, Denver. Denver's 25th. They really haven't crept up. They were better, uh, but it's still too low. Uh, Charlotte, 26th. Utah, 27th. Another one of those reasons why that video I did on the Jazz, I thought they weren't going to be able to hold up, uh, and they really haven't. They're, they're starting the slide. The Rockets at 28th, the Pistons at 29th, and the Spurs at 30th. You can pick any of those 10 teams on any given night, and if they're going to play, if they're playing, okay, what's the list of players that could get to 80 or 90? Because I'm telling you, this is what I'm talking about. You're going to oh, see an 80-point game against one of these defenses. Oh, the Nets. I mean, Kyrie or KD, like, they've been beating the bad teams recently, and I guess that's some of the pushback on this winning streak. But at the same time, they're going to always beat bad defensive teams because they're too talented on the offensive side of the ball. We saw the Celtics beat them because they were great on defense. But if you don't have enough defense, I don't see a team beating the Nets in a series. You know, it's a really good point because they really are kind of figuring some things out. They they still need like a wing defender. I don't know. And by the way, everybody needs a wing defender. So I don't even know who that is and what they could trade for. But um, they are they they have a, a solid a starting five as anybody right now. Ben Simmons is fitting in nicely now. Um, and you know, here, I mean, here's the interesting thing is, you know, a guy like Patty Mills, I got to check re recently. I feel like he hasn't been playing hardly at all. And that just boggles my mind because he's a guy that can win you a playoff game. I mean, I'm telling you, you can come in, get hot and, and hit for like 15 points in, in 14 minutes. And then the game's over. But here, let me look at the net schedule. Cause here's the question of doing, when do we see those teams? Oh, we, oh, they're playing the Celtics soon. The yeah, but we don't want to see the Nets Celtics. We want to see Nets Portland. We want to see Nets. Oh, uh, oh you want to see them? You want to see them detonate? <laughs> yes, exactly. I want to see an eighty-point game. I mean, there's no, listen. I, I'm. I, I would almost put my reputation on. I, I bet you we're going to see one this year. Uh, scoring is up so much. We at some point we had uh, an an incredible amount of thirty-point scores per game. In fact, let's check that really quickly because I'm. So here, here's the thing: those teams got to be good enough to stay in the game, though. 
Um, it's a huge thing. That's the reason why Kobe was able to stay and get to 81, right? It was because that game stayed close against the Raptors, if I'm not mistaken. KD's actually due for a 60-point game because I don't think he ever had one. Who, KD? Um, Yeah, I feel like maybe he's had one, but... The 30-point per game scores, there's one, two, three, four, five, and then we're, we're going to give Kevin Durant the sixth one. He's 29.6. You got Donovan Mitchell at 29.3 and LeBron at 29. So, you know, I'm telling you it's easily one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I know Windhorse did a thing, you know, a month ago on a pod about this where they – I forgot what it was. But I think that there's that's more than we've ever had, obviously, for 30-point per game scores in a season. And um, it's just it's just not possible. It's not going to happen. Which, by the way, before I forget, this is on the YouTube side. If you want us to answer one of your questions, we put it on the screen. Super Chat is the way to go, and it will look something like this. You know, we can put your name on the screen, but, you know, uh, and then uh, and give you some love. And thank you. So don't forget, that's a great way to keep the show uh, going. Keep us uh, the lights on. And uh, we really appreciate that. But and, and we'll get to this question here. I'm even going to flash this one. Why is scoring so high? Scoring like the rent is high. Um, now, actually, the rent is too damn high, I believe is the phrase. But nonetheless, um, are, are you up on that? No. Did you ever see that? The rent is too damn high. No. It's a good meme. Check it out. We'll get you a meme. We'll get you a meme uh, at some point combo. Um, but here's the net schedule. Are you ready? I'm going to point it out for you guys so you can get the go over to underdog, sign up, and then get put some money down uh, on Durant. Uh, all right. So Durant, they play. Oh, well, look at this. The Nets play Chicago uh, tonight. There you go. Tonight's probably a good opportunity for KD or Kyrie, by the way, to go for 80. Uh, then they the next one they play Oklahoma City, by the way, is not in the bottom, even though you'd think that that would be. But they play San Antonio on the 17th. And they play Utah on the 20th. Excuse me. Let me just do this. They play, um, let's see, Detroit on the 26th. And then they play, um, let's see. That's it. Then, then the long stretch where they're actually playing some decent teams. So January is your chance, I think, to see KD. Or, by the way, you're not going to put it past Kyrie, right? Kyrie could go make a run for 80, couldn't he? Yes, he can. Especially the way he's been playing lately. He's been playing even better than he's played in a while. And he's had some great stretches. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Did you so, see that Euro move he made when he crossed over Euro? It felt like there was another Euro and then the same leg layup. Like, usually I could, like, pick apart uh, a craft finish in the lane off of one watch and duplicate it. Yeah, but, like, watch. Kyrie, I'm watching and I'm just trying to figure out, like, what exactly did he do? Like, I was rewinding like eight times. Like, I, I oh, yeah, Kyrie or, or Mitchell because Mitchell, well, Mitchell too, but Kyrie, there was one, oh, the same game he had the dunk. This Euro finish was more impressive than the dunk, in my opinion. And everybody okay. was going crazy off the dunk. Oh, yeah, I got to check that one out. But like, and, and by the way, like, the, one of the reasons why I like, like, when I do these breakdowns, and I think that they're better than a lot of other uh, videos on this, is that like, I, I kind of organize it in that way where, like, I showed you, like, here are the Euros he was hitting. Here are those pullbacks for um, for threes that he was hitting. So I kind of t- can narrate a story in a structured way so you can kind of piece the story together. It's not necessarily linear throughout this game, but you can kind of really appreciate just the skill. So Mitchell Mitchell hit uh, a, a Euro left-right toward, toward his right uh, with a foul on the way down, twisting because he was going to his right and he's shooting at the right-handed as a floater-ish thing. Uh, really, really amazing stuff. Um, and then again, we mentioned that that pullback uh, stop on a dime shots that he gets are just unstoppable. 
Um, especially because when he, and my favorite of the ones that I show in this one where he pulls back and he's got that lunge and he drags the back foot a little bit for, mm-hmm. for balance, but then he lifts both feet in the air slightly and then hops into that shot. So you instantly get ah, alignment. You're talking about pull back when it's on the other side of your through the leg dribble, right? Like not yeah. the regular through the leg. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He pops right into that. He, he does that move all the time. And he got like hezzies and yeah. go-bys off of that. He, he what do you that. call that through the legs? I call it like outside through the legs because I don't know what else we're supposed to call snatch. that. Snatch? Well, but a snatch to me would be more like a, the – is it the sham god you know when you snatch like the, oh you're your, right you're right yeah i don't know how to explain it i, I work on it but i don't know how to explain yeah, it. yeah that's why like outside outside through the legs you yeah, know, yeah outside of, through the legs that makes sense somebody else has pull, oh, pull, pull back to the legs all right because for me a pullback could be a crossover in front too yeah you're right I, yeah uh, and, and also and i show this too um mitchell had a, a rejection of a screen where he dropped the ball in front of him and then knocked it through his legs and went and it wasn't like a sham god, but it was, I don't know, it was really just tricky and, and maybe not even necessarily that complicated, but like explosive and um, not what you were expecting. Um, so uh, the pull through was interesting. Okay. Uh, snatch back to me is not, it is, I hear you, but snatch, I guess it could be a snatch. Back. I just don't, I don't feel like that could be a couple different things versus very specifically the ball going on the outside. Through I the remember, outside. um, I remember LeBron doing that move in high school. He went in and out and then did it top of the key three. I remember that vividly. That's oh, like wow. Years ago. Yeah. Well, my, my favorite move these days is when you do that outside through the legs and then lift both feet and swivel your 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 feet and go. Um, my, my, I love that. My favorite move in basketball is basically – I want to say favorite. I have so many favorites. But, like, what I think is one of the most deadly things to start with as an offensive player, and Katie does it, is just has he pull or has he go by. Like, if you could hezzy pull and hezzy go by, a lot of stuff you could get done off of that. And it's so simple, you know? Yeah. Well, I have a video I did with my buddy Tommy uh, where we go over the, the, the delay dribble, which is probably a little bit what you're talking about, how you go through the legs and then you lower the back foot. And yeah. as the ball is touching the right hand, you go. Versus a lot of the younger guys would just sort of go through the legs and try and go all one motion. This is go through the legs and then you tap the back foot and then go. And it's, yeah, there's a. SGA does that, right? Yeah, the SGA does it. uh, Mitchell does it. uh, Kyrie does it. Harden is the king of it. Um, And so, and then it's also when you get into that bag where it's like through legs, crossover, through legs, crossover. And then the third one or the fourth one is when you do it, uh, just baiting the defender into getting into a stance. Um, Now, uh, let's see here. We could talk a little bit more about Luca because that actually folds into the whole, you know, we've been having some follow up by three situations that have gone awry, um, making me wonder now if uh, the strategy that I've been yelling about for so long um, is as foolproof as possible. And the sense that I'm getting is that some of these guys are now practicing missing the free throw uh, in a way that um, if they could figure that out. Um, suddenly following up by three and then assuming the guy will not be able to make the first, miss the second, somehow get the rebound, put that one back in the tie, or or worse yet, somehow get the rebound, somehow get behind the three-point line and win the game. That would be interesting. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm a little bit um, interested because what we saw with Donovan Mitchell, and I'm going to give him credit for this, even though it's not clear, clear that he did it, but if you can picture how they all lined up, you can only have three defenders in the lane in the NBA. And the top defender was on the left side of the lane. So he misses it to the right so that he can kind of 
you know, get to that way a little easier. Now, of course, he completely violated the lane, you know, lane committed a lane violation. And we all know that that is a real big no-no because that kind of advantage, and I show this in the video, um, he is already even with Patrick Williams by the time he would have been allowed to even be in the lane at all. And he's already like even or maybe even a, a half a step in front of him. So it's it was simply just not fair uh, to do that. Now, if you want to get into the bigs, and I show this all in the video, you'll stay tuned. I'm leave, dropping the video as soon as we're done with this. Um, first of all, if you step in, this is not football where like encroachment, if you go over the line, you touch the whatever guy, then they stop the play. If you put your foot in the lane and he's still dribbling or he's still the ball here, and then you get it back out before the release, there's no violation. That's totally fine. That's what Andre Drummond did. So he didn't violate the lane. Now, if you watch what um, uh, Vucevic does, he steps in the lane about four frames before the release of the ball. Uh, he's already got the advantage of being the lower p- guy anyway, you know. So that's never going to get called, and it wasn't an advantage gain there. So, you know, the Cleveland fans, I think, got really upset that obviously there was a clear violation and an advantage got from uh, um, from Mitchell. And so I think they just needed to they need to, you know, balance it out in their minds and, and make it like a legitimate. But we know that the last two minute report came out. Did you see it? And they said it was a bad call. They should have called it and the game would have been over. Now they just sound like they're hating on the 71 point game, man. Oh, um, you, you mean when you say that they should have called the the lane violation that says it's hating? Well, just saying like it wouldn't been a, they wouldn't have extended the game for him to drop seventy one, right? Right. Exactly. That's yeah. the other point. Yeah, we would not have yeah. gotten seventy one. The refs hit, but but even more importantly, the Bulls would have won. Now, if you if that's it's okay in a vacuum, but now you got to figure that they missed the other call from a few nights ago uh, on that on that shot by DeRozan where they fouled him and they didn't call it either. Um, I didn't like that play. Did you see that play when DeRozan takes the shot and, and gets hit? No, they showed it at the end of that game uh, of the 71. But a few nights ago, like, I think the Bulls are down one and they run an out-of-bounds play. And But DeRozan, like, didn't – he tried to basically do a, 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 a Kawhi win, you know, beating the Sixers in game seven, you know, that shot. Basically mm-hmm. like that. I didn't like the shot. I didn't like the execution of the offense. So I almost feel like that might have played into the fact that like the referees didn't sort of give him much chance to make it anyway. But, you know, he did get hit across the arm. So the Bulls fans are clearly upset and they and they had, you know, double reason to be that way. Um, and it's too bad because what are you going to do? You can't change it. But what we can change is the fact that we have a super chat we put on the screen. So D Rock, thank you so much, Mr. Rock, for the generous super chat. We really appreciate it. Uh, my Nets need a legitimate center capable of shooting, switching, and rebounding to win a chip. We only have Claxton. What trade do you suggest for us? Well, let me just say that Claxton does all of those except for the shooting part, right? Yeah, and I love Claxton. I, I think I've been higher on Claxton for a while than you, Coach Nick. You're not a big Claxton guy, right? Um, no, I like Claxton, and I think he's he's trying to get better. He's exploring. Some he got. He got. Things. He got a lot better on both sides of the floor, in my opinion. I've been watching yeah. him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, he's on defense. He's great. Like I don't think. I think he's. He does exactly what they need him to do. Yeah. So, um, in terms of a center they need, I mean, everything you're talking about, I agree with. And the center I think about is Miles Turner. How does that work in the cap? Is that realistic? I don't know. What do you think, Coach Nick? Yeah. No. No. I mean, listen. Miles Turner fits with anybody, right? And again, Indiana's playing nicely, so they might not want to get rid of him now anyway. Like maybe they're going to go for a run. They're small market team. Let's get some, you know, the the goodwill of the people uh, in Indiana back on, on their side. 
Um, so they they might. And by the way, I, I have a feeling if Rick Carlisle has any say in it, he's like, I don't want to lose any more games. I want to keep these guys and want to run with the best we have. So, um, but but he would be obviously somebody that would fit in very nicely. Uh, you know, the Kelly Olynyk's out there probably could do something for them. Um, you know, off the off the bench because remember, Claxton will start, so they only need a guy who can kind of you know space the floor from that position off the bench for twenty some minutes. I mean, he says switching. I don't think Kelly oh. Olynyk could. Yeah. That's, well, that's, you know, or, re, or, or rebounding for that matter, right? Yeah, uh, you know, I got to look at the rebounding. I'm trying to think he's now. A, you know. he's, a, he's actually like a straight scorer, Kelly Olenek, I think. Yeah, no, he yeah. puts the ball on the ground. He can pass. He can shoot it. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. But then again, in my mind, it's like maybe that's what they need more of anyway uh, versus the defensive stuff, especially if it's coming off the bench. As a starter, they need the defensive thing that, that Claxton brings. They can sacrifice a little shooting. But then, but, the, but the the point he's probably also connecting to is that when you have Claxton and Simmons, that's a little bit difficult. Now, the, the Warriors do that when they have Draymond and uh, Looney. Uh, but that said, and, and, you know, Simmons has that Draymond feel. By the way, did you see there was a thing going around? I was meant to share it on Twitter. I'll do that. Of Draymond passing to uh, Clay during the Suns game, and the the ball like seems to get to Clay without ever like some sort of magic. You haven't seen this? No. Oh my God, I, I we have to. Uh, I don't know if I can share it here, but I, you you won't believe it when you see it. Um, it truly is. Well, and in fact, it freaked me out because they don't have a replay of it because it was kind of a basic. Uh, Clay goes over the top, and and then all of a sudden he's got the ball. Uh, I know what happened, and I can. You can't see it though. Basically, the reason why is that Draymond's got the ball, Clay's running behind him, and he literally just goes like this with his probably just his fingers. Doesn't even move his hand or his arms or his wrist, and so the ball bounces behind him and then up into Clay's hands. But because Clay is running, he's in between the ball uh, and the and the, the the camera, so it literally looks like. The ball is in Draymond's hands, and then all of a sudden, it's in Clay's hands. You got to look it up; you won't believe it. It really is freaky. It's like, but, it's like um, a camera trick. Yeah, but but by the way, but Simmons has that same kind of feel. Although he he won't throw the same kind of insane passes that Draymond will try, uh, threading three needles uh, to get what, the ball to guys. What he does is he makes the right pass consistently over time, like Draymond. Uh, that is true, and and he's also a load uh, to the basket in a different way that Draymond necess- isn't necessarily. But uh, there's also a finishing. Well, certainly Draymond is really you know tends to be um, you know challenged with his finishing. He really doesn't finish well. Uh, Simmons, I, I would I need to check the numbers. I think he's better. Uh, he's no less awkward, or maybe more awkward. Uh, the right-handed stuff is awkward and weird, but he can get those to go in to some degree. Uh, but he does still have, I've seen some evidence still of a, a little bit of a gunshyness around the rim, uh, not wanting to shoot it enough. Getting better. Uh, getting better. That You think he's getting better at it? Yeah, he's getting better. He's showing more aggressiveness towards the rim lately. And okay. it, go, it goes in and out through phases. It wavers, but yeah. it's more and more of it as we go through the season. And, I mean, he's fitting in like a glove there. I think he's such a great compliment to KD and Kyrie, right? Because they're a little isocentric mm-hmm. and he's a connective piece. And then uh, on defense, he obviously gives them everything they need. And, and you know, D-Rock's full of uh, great information right now because he's, he's he's thinking that they're, they can they might dangle Joe Harris. Maybe they get Mo Bamba. That's a good call. Mo Bamba would be really good um, for them too because he definitely spreads the floor and can – be a disruptive force on defense as well. I, I haven't, is he been playing? I feel like I haven't seen him recently, but let me look real quick. 
Uh, he oh, he didn't play the last game against Washington, but he's been playing, you know, his 20 minutes a game. And, um, you know, and he shoots the three really well. So Mo Bamba's a guy because the, uh, the Magic are not really going anywhere this year anyway. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they're going to they, – I guess they're everyone's in the Wembenyama sweepstakes. Um, but, um, you know, that would be – Mo Bamba might be the guy that a lot of people are calling about. Yeah, I think it makes sense because it looks like the Magic – will have more interest in moving forward with Bol Bol. And actually, yeah. they might even be creating a big three instead of the two with Paulo and Franz. I mean, Bol Bol has been playing so well. You might look forward to check who could you move forward with around those three guys. So, um, oh, yeah. and, Fol- and Fultz's shooting has improved. So, could yeah. be a foursome there. Yeah. Well, well, imagine they win the lottery and, and they get Wembenyama. Then you can go Wembenyama, Bol Bol, um, uh, yeah. Isaac. Isaac will be back eventually. Yeah, and then you're playing almost all seven footers who can do everything, uh, and then the game will be broken, <laughs> I would think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, I, and I would love it. I would. It would be so fun to watch, even though I would feel so inadequate, you know, if I was ever near them. And like, it, imagine if you're a six foot guard and you're out there having to try and play against five seven footers ish or whatever they are. Um, I, I'm waiting. I'm ready. I'm ready. Bull bull. I think you know again. Now, interestingly enough, can Bol Bol be the guy eventually? I mean, he needs to get serious minutes to to, to approach seventy or eighty. But uh, you know, he he, <laughs> he got hot. Let's just say he gets hot. He could make six, seven, eight threes in a game. That wouldn't be too much of a stretch. And the, the beauty of him is he can get a bunch of like putbacks, right, and that kind of thing. So suddenly he gets kind of certain kind of buckets that other like you know stars don't get that are easier in theory. And that who knows that might get him there, but listen, you know, it's like seven or eight threes is only twenty four points. Um, he'd have to get another fifty. Uh, how does Bobo shoot from the free throw line? Do we know? You got to look that up. But I was thinking about that. He has to make free throws to get that amount of points. But one thing, one good thing about him, he doesn't. You know, people talked about his motor before, but he doesn't look tired playing out there. He never looks winded on defense. Yeah. He always stays in front, so he's in great condition. He said. His, you know what? You know where he's underrated as an on-ball defender. Like I, like I watched that Nets game, and the only guy that could even get a shot up and over yeah. Bobo, which is amazing because he's amazing, KD. But like when he was planted in front of Seth Curry, like Seth Curry couldn't even get a shot up, and you could tell he was in his bag to try oh, yeah. and get one up. Yeah, it was. It, that was that was a great game too. That, yeah, that was a that's the thing about game. a guy like Bobo is you can beat him by three steps, and he'll still block it. Uh, and yeah. that, that's what's so hard. You need to be as tricky as you possibly can and then still need a little bit of luck uh, with a lot of extra height on those shots to get them to go in. Imagine playing three dribble ones against Bull Bull. Like, all he has to do is contain and contest. That'd be re- that'd be really hard to get a shot off. Uh, yeah, I would not want to do it. Uh, you know, <laughs> I would not want it. But KD, KD probably would. Yeah, uh, I did probably KD get another shot of his block, though. I, I just was watching something where it's like it never happens and then it does. You know, I think Jalen Brown got him at some point. Um, maybe last Jaylen year. Jalen Brown was doing it last year like twice, right? During the playoffs. Yeah. But that's yeah. a while back already. Yeah. And uh, but I you know, it, it's like the way he's shooting the playing now, KD doesn't need it's almost like there's no defense. He doesn't he ignores yeah. the defense, just shoots whenever he wants to, over everybody he wants to. Hey, oh, and I guess at, at the cost of that is someone's gonna block one of those shots, you know, once a year <laughs> or twice a year, but that's about it. Uh, the guy is just unbelievable. And all the, the mini pull-ups that are just, um, you know, in his bag that are just like layups to him. Uh, you know, if, if more and more guys work on that, more and more guys should be shooting that. And guess what? You'll see more and more uh, or less of that sort of uh, analytics that will point to avoiding all those different kind of shots. But we have another super chat. So let's get to it. 
Uh, King Jackie Jopper, thank you so much. Uh, if you're the Charlotte Hornets and you get the number two pick, oh boy, do you take Scoot knowing LaMelo isn't going to want to come off the ball? I haven't seen Scoot. Have you? 100% you take Scoot. Because he's clearly the best player available, not named Wemby. And he can be a generational talent. So when you're drafting, when you're drafting top five, in my opinion, you always go with best player available and you worry about fit later. Okay. What was, um, where is he playing right now? G League. Oh, okay. Ignite. Over here. I got to go check him out. Um, I'm forgetting that. I know I've seen a couple of clips, but I got to go on a deep dive because that's, that'd be a good video. Um, and then we have some argument about whether it was Tatum or Brown that blocked uh, Katie. No, I, I don't, I think it was Brown. I don't think it was. I Tatum. remember it being Brown and it might've been twice. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, um, what else? Okay. So what else are we talk about? So, but to get back to this question here about the Hornets, do you take him? I mean, you, you say yes. I mean, obviously you always want to get the high, the best talent, right? You yeah. go for the talent anyway. Um, yeah. And you know what? LaMelo, isn't he not going to want to come off the ball? Like, I mean, I guess he would not want to. I'm sure, you know, he prefers to have in his hands. I'm sure he's probably the best version of himself when he's got in his hands as much as possible. Um, but, um, you know, how tall is Scoot? Six one. Oh, he's short. Okay. I was thinking, okay. Because, you know, uh, LaMelo has got some size on him. So, um, I don't know. It's interesting. You know, you can make it work depending on how the coaches work it out. You can make it work. There's no question. Uh, especially because with six the two, Patriots, six two, Coach Nick, six two. When you're spreading the offense, and that was the initial thing I was watching with the Knicks the other night. Uh, I just went on a, a Knicks podcast yet last night, and um, you know their offense is really interesting because when you do four out, you know, and you have like Mitchell Robinson kind of roaming the paint. Um, a lot of it relies on the individual skills of your players. They, you, you were saying here, we're going to throw you a pass and you're going to have to try and create something off the dribble and then get everything else going. Then we'll try and you know, attack closeouts and all that stuff. So um, you always, that there's a value to having at least two guys that can really create out the dribble, right? Because you stop the first guy and you kick it out. And if it goes to someone who's a, you know, doesn't have that skill, then you, that, the defense has a chance to get back in position. But when you have the second guy there, and that, that's why I love about it when you have – uh, Jordan Poole and Steph, uh, Steph Curry out there together is Poole is terrific at breaking this man down, causing penetration. And when he kicks it out and it's to Steph Curry, now Curry has more opportunities to attack a close than he ever would normally have. That's a huge thing that no one else has, has been able to do until except for KD when he was there. Uh, that's a huge uh, asset for the Warriors in their offense. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a positionless sport, so it always benefits a team to have two players that can weave in and out in playing on the ball and off the ball. Will it be an adjustment for LaMelo? Yes, but the Hornets always have to go with best player available, and every team should always go with best player available, especially when you're drafting with the top five pick. Right, because, you know, if Scoot ends up being terrific and better than anything they ever thought of, then you know what? They can maybe trade LaMelo and and get him, get something else they need even more for the team that will make them better. So uh, now that said, we don't, we haven't ever necessarily seen the Hornets be that shrewd uh, in the front office necessarily. But, um, you know, at some point they're going to figure it out, I hope. I mean, we, you know, when's the last time they were great? Was it, um, I guess, the, the uh, Baron Davis? Uh, no. Was Baron Davis in Charlotte? He was in... Now it's confusing because Charlotte was always – remember they moved – Bobcats. The Bobcats. But then they went to New Orleans and then they went back to Charlotte, right? I don't, uh, anyway, uh, my mind – I was up all night last night. Uh, someone's going to tell us in the comments how they got back to um, Charlotte. Um, but it's 
They were in New Orleans, I think. New Orleans Hornets, and then they went back to the Charlotte. But anyway, we'll figure it out. Um, yeah, I, listen, trading Lamelo, you never know. I'm telling you, if Scoot is what everyone thinks he is. Then you never know. Maybe there is something there that they can, you know, they could, they could make, uh, they can make up for. I mean, listen, Lamelo is is challenged defensively a little bit, um, and that makes a problem. Yes, but great, but great question though, King John. Great question. Yeah, I love uh, the draft stuff. So that was awesome. Yeah, I got to get on the draft thing as we're moving closer to March Madness is when I usually do that. And you know what I always say, right? Every year I go through a lot of footage for college players. And the biggest takeaway, you know what it is? What? Is how how bad the college refs are. You know what you should do? I got one of my really good friends is a college ref. I hate to say it, but I'm watching it. I'm like, they just don't get the – they don't call the game the way they should. Maybe that's part of it. I just thought of – I just thought of a great video for you. You should do a Duke video talking about how if their system changed Duke. With, their new, with their new coach, yeah, uh, John Shire, and they have a few NBA prospects and like kind of break them down and talk about how you think they'll play at the next level. That's, That's not a good bad. video. That's not bad. I, I'm in, I'm interested. Uh, I might even have some really good uh, uh, footage I could get through. Because so. Derek Whitehead, um, everybody was really on high on him. Some people have gone a little cold on him um, over the course of the season, but I mean, he's going to be a lottery pick. Then Filipowski is making his way into the lottery area when it comes to like boards and mocks. So, and, but he's like kind of like he's like kind of like a tough eval because he's a really good basketball player. But how will his game translate to the NBA level? Like these days, it's like it, it's not enough to be a really good basketball player anymore. You just gotta gotta fit a niche or be a star player, you know. Yeah. Well, now I'm curious, where is Duke ranked? I'm looking it up right now. Uh, they are ranked 16th uh, on ESPN, if this is uh, the right one. AP tw- top 25, 16th. So, okay. Uh, they moved up one. Hey, Wisconsin, my alma mater moved up one. They're 14th. Uh, what's up, but, what's, yeah, up, what's gonna... up with Johnny Davis? What do you mean? Just like he was in the G League a little bit. It's just weird for a player oh. who was – Yeah. I mean, I know, he, I know he struggled in summer league, but – it's just weird for a player that was picked as highly as him to become a G League player this early on a team that's not even like contending. I hear you, um, and I I, I got to be honest. I, I know everyone was really excited about him at Wisconsin, but like I I don't know. I never really felt that he mm. he, he was you know that amazing. I mean, no, no offense, but I just you know what I mean. Like I, I didn't get I didn't get the hype. Uh, that people had and it could the hype that I was getting were like all my alumni friends and stuff. I was like, all right, it seems fine. But um, you know, it's weird only because, you know, listen, I came out of Wisconsin, you know, Michael Finley played there. So it's not like I, I can't envision, um, you know, uh, an NBA legit NBA player coming out of that program and being good. But I feel like it has been since what, like Devin Harris, that we've had anybody like that. Um, and, and even Devin Harris kind of fizzled and couldn't stay healthy. We have another super chat from Braun, best friend of the show. Braun, great to hear from you. Thank you so much. Uh, Coach, OKC had five guys who had 20-plus last night, first time since 2019. Why does it surprise me more than a guy going for 60-plus in modern NBA? Aha. That's mm. a really good question. Now, the question is, did they win that game? I think they did. Then they blow them out. It was a huge blowout, like a crazy – because in my mind, the OKC is not supposed to be winning any of these games, right? And they've kind of snuck some games in there. So if I look at the schedule or the games, where is this? Uh, how do I do this? Where did it go? NBA scores. Let's look at this real quick. So yesterday, Tuesday, January 3rd, the Thunder went – oh, yeah, they beat the Celtics 150 to 117 at home. Um, insane. And now Tatum played. 
Um, Brown played. Horford, White, Smart White. They had their normal starting five in there, too, for the Celtics. So uh, here are the five, the five guys. So um, let's see. Williams, Giddy, Dort, and then Mann and Joe uh, off the bench uh, got 20 points. That's all. That's probably the biggest impressing, impressive thing is that you got two guys – uh, the last two guys to even sub in with Shea Gilders Alexander out, which is one of the reasons for them to get twenty plus is is a uh, is, is is a you know impressive. But that said, this game was probably a blowout by uh, yeah by halftime. So you know, garbage time in the second half, you're gonna get guys putting the ball in. Yeah, I like OKC. I mean, obviously, when you have a talent like SGA, he always keeps you afloat and he makes it tough to tank. Um, he could be a top. 10 player in the NBA right now, just on a really bad team. Um, yeah. And I know, I know like we go through this thing where there's like 25 top 10 players at any given time, but I really believe in his skill set and his talent. And I can't wait to see him on a playoff team on a contender one day because he's proven he, I mean, he, with the Clippers, he was even really good when they were like contending. So he, he could play on a winning team and he's way better now. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I love everything about him. And as you know, you've done videos on him. He continues to improve. And he also has a unique shot profile, which I love. So, um, yeah, man, he's great. And, you know, he is definitely, um, if not like, you know, soon or very, very soon, an MVP contender. Yeah, but yeah. And I've been saying this for so long. It's a broken record. But to decide the MVP is going to be so difficult every year now because you're going to have five or six guys. Now, look at the list, though. Embiid, Giannis, Jokic. Doncic, throw SGA in there. Durant. Uh, well, but let's put Durant aside for one reason, because what is in common to the for those five guys I just mentioned? What do they all have in common? Talk to me. Embiid, Giannis, uh, Jokic. Um, uh, international players. Yes. Nobody born here. And SGA is Canadian, yes. if I'm not mistaken. He is. Uh, I'm missing somebody else who's not from here that we could put in there. Am I? I feel like it's one other player, maybe. Either way, five guys that can all win MVP, none of them are from the U.S., and that will probably continue to grow. That That's what's going to be so fascinating about this whole thing. And I, the next Michael Jordan, whatever, we probably already have the honest, but, like, uh, the next guy like that is going to probably come from another country and, um, and you know, show us a thing or two about a play. Weminyama, you know, could very well be in that trajectory, too. Shooting one-legged threes like it's going out of style. And uh, and let 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 there not be anybody on Twitter left who doesn't know why it's uh, popular now. Okay. Um, all right. We got another super chat that's popped up in here. I think here uh, didn't where did it go? Here it is. Oh, we got a couple. Okay, Felipe. Thank you so much, Felipe uh, or Philippe. Can you rank the top five NBA drafts based on player talent? What's, what was what? I mean? The I mean the Carmelo Lebron one oh, that was okay. all time. Um, yeah. Jeez. Well, uh, Michael Jordan's was also up there. Uh, Hakeem Olajuwon yeah. was in that one, and um, um, there's wow. a few more. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, it's funny because it's, it's kind of random, right? Why does it have to? Why do these players somehow all end up being the same class, or not the same class, the same draft class, right? They might be different ages and whatever. What was what was Nash's class? That was a big one. Uh, yeah, right. I could see the picture, right? They're all, yeah. and it's all that cheesy nineties look, um, which is my great, it's my era. Uh, let me, I'll tell you right now. It's got uh Sharif Abdul-Rahim probably in there and no one remembers yeah. him. 96. All right. So here's what that draft was. Um, 
Wow, that's a good pull uh, pull from my brain. Allen Iverson, number one. Marcus Candy, number two. Sharif Abdurrahim, number three. Stephon Marbury, Ray Allen, Antoine Walker, Lorenzen Wright, Kerry Kittle, Samaki Walker, Eric Dampier, Todd Fuller. Uh, then you got Kobe Bryant, <laughs> Pages Stojakovic, Steve Nash, uh, Jermaine O'Neal, Il- Ilgauskas. I mean, you know, that, that, might, that might win. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, and there's more. Derek Fisher was in there. Um, let's see. Anybody else is really worthy of mentioning? You know, the, la- the last few have been good. We have to see how it works out. You know? Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, the skill level is, is you know, without a question, uh, improving. We're getting more and more guys shooting more and more threes off the dribble, getting better at that, getting better at the handle. Um, the only question is, are the coaches going to get in the way? Are they going to hold players back? That's, that, that's my biggest fear these days going forward. Are they going to? I think it's the next women Yama going to be forced to just be a post up player. You know what I mean? I don't oh, think nah, so. that, that that's not happening. I think we've gotten past that, but you know, you never know. I'm worried. First um, year with Wemby, you give them the keys and you see what happens, no matter what. Well, right. But you know that, like, there's that Japanese guy that was fighting for Japan in World War II and was in the jungle and didn't hear that the the war ended and ended up thinking he was still fighting the war for, like, a decade or two. Like, I'm worried there are coaches like that who who haven't heard about what the new and improved uh, skill development. We have another awesome – thank you, King Jaffe Jopper. Wow, very, very uh, generous of you. Really can't appreciate this more enough. Uh, Almost forgot to ask, how crazy is it that Shea is averaging 31 a game while attempting less threes than Giannis and Embiid, is he better than oh, Trey? Uh, is it, wait? Did I see, wait? Did I see him in that list of the thirty-point a game scores? Um, where did it go? Yes, he is. I'm sorry, he's four. I uh, I love Trey, but I have to go with Shea, and I know that rhymes, but that's how I feel. It's tough, man. I mean, Trey is so good too. You know Trey, what it is, though. You know what it is. When we're to- and I talk about that Trey is underappreciated all the time. Like his ability at that size, without being an eye popping athlete, to put up those numbers in the best league in the world, incredible. I would just say though, when you're talking about a contending team, Trey as a defender is a big issue when it comes to winning a championship because he's going to have to play the majority of the minutes. And how do you hide him on defense? There's ways, you know, there's ways. And if he's going to go off for 30, then, you know, and he gives up 15, that's okay. Yeah, no, I love Trey. I'm just comparing him to Shane now, which yeah. doesn't have no, he, 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 he doesn't have that issue. No. Now, here, you know what I'm going to say? In the context of what he is saying in this, in this question or in this comment, what do you think I'm going to say? Can you read my mind about Shay's game? Talk to me. He should be taking more threes. <laughs> ah, okay. He should be taking eight threes a game. Like that's silly that he's not. So it, it is crazy that he's 30, 31. He could be at 40 uh, in theory. And then him, him and Giddy have to work on the mechanics and the fluidity and the energy transfer and the ability to get off those shots more effortlessly. And there's things you could do to fix that, you know? Well, yeah, it's a dip. They won't, he won't. Josh Giddy does not dip the ball uh, well, consistently enough and well enough because he was probably taught that in, in Australia. I had an interesting talk with the Australians on the Knicks podcast I was on yesterday about that because uh, there's a friend of mine who's a coach down in, in Australia who's been on the show, Daniel, uh, a lot. You probably, Daniel Sinney, you, you, you remember him. He, he tells me a lot about how they, they teach 10 toes to the rim, uh, no dip. 
And uh, they all think he's crazy when he's trying to show his players that even though he's getting results left and right. So um, I, I worry that, that whatever that system is that they're, in, they're using, uh, Patty Mills as a, uh, an outlier, I suppose, um, either is going to give you shots that look like Delvadova's or uh, you're going to – it looks a little bit more traditional, but bricks like that, you know, like you see Giddy. I kind of want to see what Giddy is shooting from three. Um, he's actually up to 34%. Oh, no, he's not. He, sorry, he's at 34% and three attempts per game. Um, that's actually encouraging, but I bet you it's because he's dipping more. I'm going to go study that because that's an interesting thing, which reminds me, I'm going to do a cool video about free throw shooting. Have you oh, seen nice. Jeremy Sochan's uh, new new version of free, throw, free throws? What do you One-handed think? One-handed shot. Yeah. I mean, people have tried it in the past. Yeah. So it's interesting. I, I, I mean, a lot of the issues when it comes to shooting does come with the guide hand. So I see the point. Yeah. I mean, I'm not ecstatic about like having to master two different modes of shooting, you know, uh, but yeah. if he was able to kind of pick it up quickly, then he doesn't spend a lot of time mastering that. I mean, okay, but I mean, yeah. Rick Barry was a great scorer. No, that's a good. That's a good point. You know, and he, and he took the time to master that when he was younger. You know, you're gonna try doing it now. Uh, but I'm gonna look at that. I'm gonna look at you know they switched hands with uh, Plumley. Um, we I'm gonna look at Ben Simmons three three throws and some other guys who, who really struggle. Maybe a couple guys who are really good and sort of look at some patterns there. Uh, I think that might be the best video I'm gonna do this year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, anything else you want to shout out as we wrap up? Subscribe to B-Ball Breakdown, man. Get All coach right, yeah. to a to a million. You could subscribe to uh, Combos Court wherever you listen to podcasts. And um, this is really fun, Coach Nick. Absolutely, and we, we've definitely been doing it for more than a year now because we're in January. Absolutely, yeah. And I I finally broke eight hundred and fifty. It was the craziest Ooh. thing where you know I was getting a lot more subscribers in it, but like the number just didn't wasn't going up. I don't even know what was happening, but maybe the YouTube was purging old accounts or something. But we're, we broke eight fifty. Uh, I really would, you know, just would love to get there as a competitive thing. Like, you know, I want to just sort of get to that number. Uh, so please, if you haven't subscribed, I'm sure you are because you're watching the show. But uh, also, uh, in a couple minutes, uh, when we're going to be done with this, I'm going to release the Donovan Mitchell video. I know it got blocked by the NBA. I guess there was a length thing, if you want to know, behind the curtain. I think sometimes there's a certain length they don't want you to have. I don't know. I'm a, so I got a lean, mean version of it. Uh, it'll come out. Please watch it five times if you can. And uh, <laughs> and uh, make up for what I missed maybe this early this morning in the optimal time. But I'm gonna I won't drop it now. It's a weird time of the day, but you know, East Coast. It's what is it? Uh, Twelve two o'clock in the afternoon for you. It is all right. Well, stay warm out there, combo, and everyone well, it's else. Warm. It's warm today. Oh, it's stay warm. Enjoy the warmth. Everyone else, I don't know if the the country got really slammed. I, I think it's kind of thawed out a little bit since then. But if you're if you're somewhere really cold, please stay warm. Please stay healthy. Please stay um, all those things. And, um, you know, thanks for coming on the show at Combo. Thanks for all for being here. Thank you guys all for the wonderful Super Chats. Really, really generous. Uh, really helps us keep the show going. And uh, we'd love to be able to give you as much love and hype as we can on screen. And um, don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Combo? Yes, sir. Sure.